Can you get me that thingy? I, I don't teach from a iPad. I'm old school. I actually printed this for you. Thank God it's like driving a car. Um, okay. I wanted to tell you, all right, I have to see the time. Okay, make sure that I get you out early because you love speakers who let you out early. So I'm going to rush. No, I'm kidding. Um, I wanted to let you know that I've been thinking about how I can get your attention and how I can keep it. Um, first, we started off with worship that was really different than you're accustomed to. And then I thought about, well, how should I dress for chapel? You know, I really actually thought about this. And I was like, you know, I, I should try to look cool. Okay, so I was thinking like, I love you, I paid her to do that. Um, I was thinking about Pastor Pete from Substance Church. He's a little bit too cool for me. He has like a nose ring and these funky glasses and I'm standing next to him going, no. He's too cool. And then I thought about President Hagen and I said, I could do that, but no. And then yesterday, Pastor Jeff gets up here, and he's wearing like an untucked plaid shirt and jeans. And so I stole my son's shirt, because I, I don't own anything like this, and I'm too old to keep it untucked. So this is as cool as it gets. I'm wearing nice shoes. Okay. Um, so no cool, sorry. It's just... I'm just be me. Um, so I'm going to read a passage of scripture that's a little bit um, uncomfortable for a lot of us. First Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, from Ammon, from Eden, Sidon, and among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. In fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. You know, this passage of scripture could go in a million directions. I mean, we could talk about marriage or marriages. We could talk about idolatry. We could talk about sex. We could talk about lust. But I want to talk about the condition of your heart. Recently, a friend of mine was diagnosed with a cardiovascular disease. And in other words, basically his heart is really sick. He's in his late 50s and his heart isn't working right the way it's supposed to. And I wonder how many of us in this room have a problem with our heart. And you, I hope by this point you figured out I'm not talking about the muscle in your chest. I'm talking about the part of you that enables you to love, to hate, and to feel. I dare say that many of us have some kind of heart problem we should not be, we are not loving the way we should, we're not hating the way we should, and we're not feeling the way we should. God gave Solomon very clear instructions, do not marry foreign women. And I want to be pretty clear about what I'm going to say. It had nothing to do with their foreignness, okay? It had to do with who they loved and how they influenced the heart of Solomon. Because they didn't love the one true God. Their presence swayed Solomon's heart. Just like when you hang out with people who swear, you're more prone to swear. I know none of you experience it except Genesis. She's the one who's saying true. So none of you have a problem with swearing when you hang out with people. 
honey, I'll call you out. (laughs) So, just in case someone is influencing your life away from the heart of God, I want to call you back. I wonder when Solomon's heart started to get sick, when he stopped hating the idols and the worship that was contrary to what he knew and instead started to turn away from our God. Was it when he married wife 500? Or maybe when he married wife 700? But at some point, somewhere along the line, he started to say, well, maybe that's okay. Because let me tell you, it took 40 years for him to reach 1,000 women. But by the time he reached it, his heart wasn't facing God anymore. Sadly, I think somewhere along the line, we might be in that same place. Allow me to ask you a very personal question. What is the condition of your heart? Is your heart well or is your heart sick? Or maybe is it somewhere in between? Do you hate the things that you should hate, the wickedness that this world offers, that the immorality that is everywhere, the wrongness that is so evident? And do you love our God? Are you in love with the things that God loves, the widows, the orphans? Simply put, is your heart healthy or unhealthy? Just so I'm not misunderstood, I don't want you to think that I believe all of us are slipping away from God. I don't think every one of us is turning our back on him. I do not think that. But I do know that some of us are struggling with this. But I want every one of us to be on guard because it says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Yet I can see in the life of Solomon that the influence of idolatry in women who loved and worshiped idols drew him away from God. He clearly failed to guard his heart. Before I go any further, I'd like to say that each one of us has experiences in our lives that shape us in different ways. Some of those experiences are good and some of those experiences are bad, but I can tell you, not one of us has gone through life untouched by darkness. And sometimes that darkness draws us away. It calls us away from God. Um, I recall several years ago, I was right over there. Wave your hand, Hector. See where he's sitting? That's where I was sitting. And the lady who was speaking up here, her name was Susie Larson. So that tells you it left a mark on me because I downloaded her sermon. Um, She said, we sin out of the place of our wounding we sin out of the place of our hurt and our pain. And I remember how that resonated with me. I sat there and I thought to myself, that's me. Things that happen between me and my father. Things that happen because you have parents who are deaf. Wow, that's me. So I wanna give you guys an illustration. It may resonate with you and I hope it does. I want you to imagine, all of you, every single one of you, I want you to imagine that your life is like a lake. The water is clear and clean and smooth as glass. Then someone comes along and throws a stone of discrimination or jealousy or bitterness or hate or something else that you are unprepared for. And there's a big splash. But in a couple minutes, they're just ripples. And eventually the surface is calm, quiet, and smooth again. But I want you to know, underneath the surface, there's the stone. Things may look like like they did before they threw the stone, 
but underneath there's that stone. Just like Solomon looked like he did before his heart turned away, God could see right past how he looked and look at his heart and say, you aren't even looking at me anymore. I don't care what your body does. If you get down here and kneel and your heart is standing up going, no. Or if you can't kneel, but your heart is bowed before him. Do you ever wonder if Solomon ever thought, well, I'll let my wives worship idols, but I'll never do that. Then maybe he started to think, well, I'll I'll worship this idol and God. And then I believe Solomon got to the point where he didn't even recognize himself anymore. Don't get there. So what's going on in your life? What's influencing the position of your heart? We've already identified what influenced Solomon, but I'm asking you, what's influencing the condition of your heart? Is it your friends? Is it your family? Maybe it's your enemies. You know you better than anyone else, and you know how close you like to get to the edge. How close you get to sin without actually doing it, whatever it is. Are you already at the place where you don't recognize yourself? Are you doing things you never thought possible? Have you made allowances for thoughts, behaviors, and talk that doesn't fit in the life of a believer? Is it time for you to turn your heart around? You know it's never too late. If you think you've gone too far or you've done too much, I'm here to tell you that's not true. All of us have misbeliefs, and I'm gonna clarify what a misbelief is. A misbelief is an idea that you hold to be true, that you think is right, that you think is the way it is. But I'm gonna tell you, an example of a misbelief is that you've done too much, that you've sinned too much, you've gone too far, that you are doing things you never thought possible. I'm gonna tell you something else. That's a lie. Because it doesn't matter how dark your life gets. God's there. It doesn't matter. The word of God is really clear. Those foreign women turned his heart away. What's turning yours? And what will it take to turn it back? I want to challenge you to run to him, not from him. Because honestly, at least for me, when I do something I shouldn't, I don't want to talk to him because I'm ashamed of myself. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but I do. So I want to, I'm going to wrap up my, see, look how, you better look what time I'm letting you out. (laughs) This ain't going to happen again. I'm also leaving time for you if you want to pray, because there are going to be people down here to pray with you. I want to wrap up with this idea. I think a message that we're hearing in the church today, and a message we hear at North Central a lot of times, and it doesn't come from faculty, and it doesn't come from other students most of the time, is that we have to be open-minded. 
and that we have to show growth. Can I tell you that sometimes growth and open-mindedness is just another cover word for compromise? I'm going to tell you, you know, that that thing you're so open-minded about is sin. It's wrong. And you may not like to hear it, and I don't even like saying it. But God's word hasn't changed. And God hasn't changed. You've heard the saying, if there's a distance between you and God, who moved? Well, I can assure you, it wasn't him. That song that they signed, Come to Jesus, fits. If your heart's not facing God like it used to, turn around. I want to close in prayer. And if you want to come to the altar, there are people here. I'm going to stay and pray with you. I care about you more than you will ever know. My students can tell you that I love you because I talk about you a lot. And those of you who have had the, who have had the pleasure of getting to know, I love hard and I don't give up easy. And if you're struggling with something and I know about it, trust me, I promise, I pray. I pray and I pray and I fight for you. I have a little spot on my couch where I sit and I pray. It's my little Jesus spot. So let me pray for you today and I'll just pretend I'm in my, my Jesus spot. God, the love I have for them that moves me must pale in comparison to the love that you have for them. It, as is, it is as if I do not love them when it is compared to your love. God, I pray for those students that have some secret, some darkness, some place that they're turning to. I pray that they would turn their heart around back to you. I pray for the students that want to come forward that won't. And I pray for the ones that do, that you will open heart surgery, God, change their life, transform them. And I pray for those students that are doing well, that are not struggling. God, I pray that they would continue to guard their heart. Let us not be like Solomon who slowly but surely turned away. Let us fight for that position where our heart is facing you. And we are open to you. And Lord, I ask more than anything else that you would forgive us our shortcomings. Lord, we all mess up, every one of us. And I ask that you would give us grace, give us strength to come back to you. Let us run to you, not from you. I thank you so much for these students, God. They are the future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If anybody wants to come forward for prayer, I'll be here. If you want to just chat, I'll be here for that too. <laughs> thank you, guys. Bless you.